This episode of the Bamboo Pastors podcast has been brought to you by the Growth Center for Church and Mission. The Growth Center has established the Entrepreneurial Ministry Leader, a ministry ecosystem which brings together pastors, ministry leaders, and marketplace leaders who are finding creative ways to utilize their faith and their talents to bring the gospel to the cities and communities they live in. Check them out at thegrowthcenter.com. Welcome to the Bamboo Pastors Podcast, a podcast that explores the joys and challenges of being an English-speaking pastor in a Chinese church. I'm Jalen Chan, and I'm here with my co-host, John Mon. Hey, everyone. Together, we host the Bamboo Pastors Podcast. We're glad that you're here with us. Come on in and have a seat at the table. Hello, everyone. It's good to be back. We've been on a short hiatus from recording episodes, but the Bamboo Pastors Podcast is back recording and super excited to be here with my co-host Jalen. Jalen, how's it been? We have not seen each other in a little while. How was your Christmas? It was good. Uh, you know, we had a, obviously a really quiet Christmas being with just uh, our kids and our family. We did go drop off some gifts to different family members and friends. So that was fun for the kids and, and fun for us to kind of see people from our car or just outside. And then we got to do this uh, light show drive through thing. Um, and so one of the nearby suburbs has this light show set up in one of their malls. And so you you know, you buy a ticket and you go through and it takes maybe like 20 minutes to go through the light show. And that was really fun. The the kids all loved it. The four oldest loved it. Uh, JJ, the youngest, had a really hard time because for some reason he just gets really freaked out by Frozen. Uh, we've never actually like watched the movie with him, but you know, our daughter Evie has a, 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 an Elsa doll. And so it, you know, she sings like the song and he hates that doll. It, it's like, it freaks him out. And so, you know, we're going through the, we're going through this light show and they tune it to the radio so you can, they have, you know, uh, the, the lights play according to the music and they sync it up that way. But then one of the first songs that starts playing is, do you want to build a snowman? And he just loses it Oh no! right as we're starting out. And, you know, it's, it's taken us at least half an hour to get through this line to actually get through, to go into the light show. And he freaks out. So the other four kids and me and Jenny, we're having a great time watching the lights and JJ is on Jenny's phone, like playing a game while, while we're driving through the light show. So uh, that was fun for us. Uh, it was, it was a, it was a cool thing. We'd, we'd never done that before. I think they have had those things in the past, but a lot more now because of COVID. So uh, something that, you know, we're, we're thinking about probably doing again in years to come. So uh, yeah, that was fun. How about you? How was your Christmas? How have things been with you? Nice. You know, it was uh, Christmas was good. It was my first Christmas in California. So that was definitely a different experience. When I moved out here, you and some of our other friends from back home chipped in and bought me a grill. And I don't know if I told you guys this, but I had a, a crack on the balcony, like next to my apartment. So I couldn't put the grill out there for the longest time because I was scared that it would like just fall right through like this brand new grill would fall right through the the balcony to the first floor. Yeah. And so I've been waiting and waiting for them to fix it or replace it or whatever. And they finally did it, finished it the week before Christmas. And so, um, you know, that right before Christmas, I put the grill together, put it out there and finally had a chance to do some steaks and some, you know, grilled uh, asparagus and garlic and some other good stuff on there. So that was pretty fun. It was nice to grill on Christmas Day in California, which is, I guess, a thing here because you definitely can't do that in Chicago. But Man, I, I for sure missed being home and, and seeing everyone. I actually even missed the idea of snow. I don't know if I, I don't know <laughs> if I will actually miss snow, but I missed the idea of it. 
yeah, but it was a good, good Christmas. You got anything interesting coming up for your church or anything like that? Uh, we are hoping to start uh, live streaming. We've, we've been up to now the last several months been pre-recording everything. Uh, and then uh, I think I've mentioned in the past that we've been getting ready to install some new equipment to actually do live streaming uh, in pre- some pretty good quality, I think, from the church building. So all of that got installed between Christmas and New Year's. And so we're hoping to to do that really soon. And so that's something that I'm excited about. And so looking forward to that. We're uh, we're recording this right now, right before New Year's, though, by the time our listeners listen to this, it'll be just after. But our church is doing a, a worship gathering, an outdoor worship gathering on New Year's Day. And it'll be the very first time that I will have gathered with like more than 15 people from my church. Like up until now, when we've live streamed, it's just been the skeleton crew that's there. Mm -hmm. So this is the first time where where there's only, it's not even the full church. It's only, we could only have a hundred people, but I'm really, really looking forward to that because it'll, it feels like finally for the first time, I'm like spending time with the church family, with more people, you know, uh, leading worship and, and just doing what they brought me out here to do with them. And so I'm really excited for that. Yeah, that's super exciting. It's about time, right? <laughs> yeah, about time. I'll be praying for you guys. I know that you're just your personality. You love being around people. So I know this is going to be great for you. Who's our uh, who's our guest for today? So today we have a special guest, but not just a special guest. He is a guest host uh, for for kind of to kick off, you know, a, a new season of some podcasts that we've got coming out with the Bamboo Pastors podcast. We wanted to ask a guest host to come on and actually ask us some questions about how we got into ministry, how the Lord has had le- has led us and called us into uh, this work as pastors. And so uh, we've brought back a good friend, Pearson Lau, who is a pastor, English pastor at Trinity Grace Church. Uh, he was one of our first guests on the podcast, and we're really excited to have him back. So Pearson, good to have you. Good to see you, my friend. Thanks for having me on again, fellas. I'm excited for this opportunity, and I've always felt more comfortable asking the questions as opposed to answering them. So I'm looking forward to this too. This feels pretty full circle too, because you are our very, very first guest. And so I'm I'm glad to say that we're still recording stuff and we were able to have you come back on with us. We did not give up after one or two episodes. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you guys have put out some stellar content. Thank you. I guess this episode, what we're focusing particularly on is your guys' call to ministry. And by exploring your guys' story um, and how God has called you uh, unique individuals into unique settings and contexts, uh, hopefully that can provide just a, a clearer sense of what it means to listen to, to the voice of God, what it means to, to faithfully follow him. And so, yeah, we're excited to explore those themes tonight. And I hope you two are ready as well. So I guess just uh, starting off our time, um, could you guys just tell us a little bit about your call to ministry? What was that like? Um, you know, not everyone just kind of goes to bed and wakes up the next day and says, hey, you know, I think I'm going to become a pastor. You know, that process is usually long and, and uh, arduous. And so excited to hear uh, how God has worked in your guys' individuals' lives there. So John, uh, why don't you start us off? How did God call you into ministry? Yeah, you know, I started walking with Jesus at a pretty young age, um, but it wasn't until I was in high school that I think I, I or I know that I experienced some a, a significant change in my walk with Christ that 
I went from kind of being a Sunday Christian to um, really committing to follow Jesus with my whole heart. And I think he had to work through a lot of different um, just doubts and uh, questions that I had about his character and about who he is, that I had grown up hearing one thing, but was waiting to experience it for myself. And, and that happened in high school. So at that point, when I was in high school, I really began to consider that that the Lord might be calling me into full-time ministry. Um, it was like after that that uh, yeah, commitment to, to walk deeper uh, and to be all in following Jesus that I began to sense like, well, maybe there's something in this for me down the road. So I thought, well, you know, I guess the best way to do that is to go to school and get a ministry degree, prepare me for a full-time ministry of some sort. I had no idea doing what. I just kind of had that feeling that this is what the Lord wanted. And so I applied to like a bunch of different colleges and it kind of came down to either going to the University of Illinois State School or going to uh, the Moody Bible Institute. And um, I, I don't know if this, this spoiler alert for Jalen's story, but Jalen was actually a student there at the time. And so I thought in my mind, like, well, this will be great. Like I'll go to Moody, my friends are already in school there and it's just gonna be like, boom, 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 four years in school and then I'll be off and running uh, in, in ministry. And um, God had a different plan for me. Um, and I also think maybe I had a different plan for myself eventually, but um, in, in that process of trying to figure out where to go to college, uh, I just really sensed that the Lord was saying, um, not yet, like you're not ready uh, and to wait. And so not knowing what that really meant, but just sensing like it wasn't going to be moody. I ended up at the University of Illinois studying to be an engineer. And um, yeah, I think uh, school just did not agree with me. I did not handle my freedom well. And long story short, I squandered my educational opportunities down at that, that campus. And like, I basically flunked out of school after two years. Um, primarily, I think because uh, I just didn't take school very seriously. Um, you know, other than that, wasn't really getting into much trouble, but like wasn't going to class, wasn't studying. And um, it, was a, it was a lack of discipline issue. So I ended up back in Chicago, not sure what I was gonna do with my life, feeling like, well, God, if you wanted me to go serve you, why did you send me to this other school? And I think looking back, I, I feel like um, I feel like the Lord allowed that, allowed me to make those mistakes because he needed to refine in me um, just the, the process of being a learner and um, had to learn that kind of the hard way rather than because I'm not the kind of person that learns things easily. I had to had to develop that over time and through through failure. Um, and so looking back, I'm thankful for that. But in any case, I came back from from college, not sure what I was going to do, thought I was just going to take a year off and then maybe just try to go back to like community college or something like that. And in that process, um, it was uh, Jalen and uh, his brother that both suggested and maybe you should look into Moody again and uh, just take some night classes and just check it out since you thought about it at one point, but, you know, went a different route. And so I ended up taking those classes at Moody. Uh, in the night school and just really falling in love with studying the Bible and um, learning more about Jesus and um, just diving deep into into the scriptures. And uh, at the end of that year of part time school thought, you know, maybe, you know, maybe this is what the Lord has for me. Um, so I 
I ended up uh, applying to, to go back to school full time and was told by the, the admissions office that I really had no shot of getting in because um, my grades were so bad. And so I said, well, okay, I guess, uh, I guess it wasn't meant to be. Um, but the Lord just, he works in ways that we do not expect or understand. And so I actually got a call the summer, like at the end of summer, right before what would have been my fourth year of college at that point. Uh, from the school saying like, we know you didn't apply for this semester. You applied actually to start even the in the spring, but we have a spot open for you now. And so if you want to come down, uh, if you can get all your paperwork in, you can start school a week from today. And so like in a rush with no expectation, I was going to start school, God opened the door for me to, um, yeah, to, to go to Moody, get a quality Bible education. And uh, yeah, it was definitely by his grace. It was while I was at Moody that as I was beginning to figure out exactly what kind of ministry that the Lord had for me, um, I ended up teaching Sunday school at CCUC, which was my home church at the time um, for the high school youth group. And it was like a class of 40 high schoolers that my sister was in that class. I felt bad for her um, that she was getting me as a Sunday school teacher. And I just really fell in love with teaching young people about um, about Jesus. And even though it was not maybe the ideal circumstance of like 40 high schoolers in one class is kind of crazy when I look back on it. Um, I think God used that to really uh, grow a passion for, for helping young people encounter him through that. And yeah, I ended up doing an internship at uh, another Chinese church in the area at Wheaton Chinese Alliance Church and uh, started an internship there after teaching that first Sunday school class, because I knew that's what I wanted to do, youth ministry in the Chinese church. And three month internship turned into 12 years there until the Lord said, it's time to move on. And now I'm out in the Bay. So that was kind of the, the short form version of a very long journey. Yeah, man, I got, uh, I got tons of questions for you, but I jot them all down to the side because uh, we want to give an opportunity to hear uh, how God has been working in Jalen's life as well. So Jalen, how did God call you into ministry? What was that story like for you? Yeah, I think similar to John, you know, grew up in a Christian household and from a young age, uh, you know, committed to following Christ. And, you know, that, that, that definitely uh, grew as I grew, uh, understanding what that meant, understanding what it meant to follow Jesus. And, I think just growing up at a, at a uh, Chinese church was really helpful for me personally, just growing into my understanding of my, my ethnic identity, but then also my Christian identity, who I am in Christ. And so it was so important, I think, for me to grow up in a Chinese church and then to have opportunities to serve, even from a young age, had opportunities to serve in different ways, in small ways, and then even some bigger ways too, uh, where, you know, I, I fell in love with being able to serve the Lord and serve the church and being involved in being used of God for his glory and for the growth of his people. And so that was, you know, always part of, I saw that in my parents. And then I knew that that was something that I was going to continue to do in whatever capacity, in whatever capacity, in whatever way. Um, but when I got to high school, I really began to dig into what it meant to follow Christ. I had some really great counselors who, uh, discipled me, who talked with me, who shared the gospel over and over, um, and, and how that plays out in my life. 
And that was such a crucial time in my life because at the end of my high school career, uh, my parents were, their relationship was deteriorating. And it was pretty obvious to me and to my brother. We saw it every day at home. And as involved as they were at church, I think for a lot of people in our church family, they didn't really see that. And so, you know, for me, I think I had a definitely a crisis of faith near the end of my high school uh, years. And kind of as John was saying, began to understand what it really meant to live out the things that I had been taught, right? I think growing up in church, you're filled with so much information and you get all of the good biblical foundation. But if it doesn't get a chance to be tested in your life, then it doesn't really show up in true faith. And so for me, my parents' divorce was such a important uh, component in, in really being a follower of Christ. And near the end of my high school career, you know, I was looking at colleges. My senior year, I had applied. I had gotten, I had gotten accepted to Purdue University. I was ready to go study there. And the second semester of my senior year, I was going to a Sunday school class. And I don't remember what the class was about. I don't remember who taught it. I don't remember what the lesson, you know, what, what we were studying at all. But I came away from that Sunday school just feeling like God was calling me into ministry. And I'd never had this feeling before. As I said, like, I, I did want to serve, but not necessarily, you know, in full-time ministry. But I just came away from that Sunday school feeling like God wants me to serve as a pastor. I didn't know what that meant. And so for the next several weeks, I fasted and prayed and I talked to my pastors and my youth pastor and my counselors, and I asked them, you know, what they thought about this. And I was very affirmed. I was very encouraged. I talked to my parents about it. My mom actually had been praying that both me and my brother would go into full-time ministry from when we were really young. And so she, she told us that all the time. My dad, however, um, he, he's, a, uh, he's a dentist. And his dream for me and my brother was to go into the family dental practice. Like we were going to, we we're going to have our own Chan family dental practice. And me and my brother were going to be dentists with him and we'd take over his practice. Uh, so when I told him that this was what I felt God calling me to do, it was like a dream for him was being shattered. Uh, but in spite of that, and in spite of him being an immigrant Chinese parent, uh, he was very encouraging. He said, if you believe this is what God is calling you to do, you need to be really sure that this is what God is calling you to do. Uh, because if it's not, it's going to be really challenging. It's going to be really difficult for you. But if, it, but if it is, he's going to provide for you and he's going to make a way. Uh, that was such a huge blessing for me. And so on top of that and the encouragement of pastors and counselors, uh, I applied to Moody Bible Institute. Uh, now, again, I was already accepted into Purdue University. I was ready to go there. It was already my second semester. Summer was just right around the corner, but God made a way. He opened a door and I was able to, within a few months, just get accepted and start that semester after my senior year of high school. And when I got to Moody, so different than going to a public high school in the suburbs of Chicago, right? This was a campus that was in downtown Chicago, but the professors and the classmates and my friends on my dorm floor were such a affirmation of this call to ministry because, because it was, it was um, I was so saturated in like 
the culture of men and women being prepared to go into full-time ministry. And so these professors, like their intense desire is to see you equipped um, to, to serve in ministry, but also to have a character that is prepared to serve in ministry. And so having these, these people around me was so helpful in uh, first showing me what it meant to follow Christ and then also what it meant to serve full-time as a, as a pastor. And uh, so after I graduated from Moody, um, you know, I, I interned for a year at Chinese Christian Union Church in Chinatown, which is the church that John and I grew up at, uh, and, and was really encouraged by just the opportunities that I got there to be able to preach and to lead in different ministry teams and uh, just to see kind of behind behind the curtain, some of the things that go on with meetings, you know, not all good, uh, but also not all bad. And, you know, really fell in love with the whole of what it means to be a pastor and in, in pastoral ministry. Uh, and so after that year, um, I got a chance to serve at a church uh, pretty much in the, in the, in the middle of the city, in the South Loop neighborhood of Chicago and spent almost 10 years at a multicultural church uh, growing in just my own ethnic identity, but also understanding how the gospel unites different ethnicities, uh, what it means to, to pursue unity in diversity, and just the beauty of God's church uh, across different ethnicities and races. And uh, that was really exciting and fun. Uh, but after that, after those, you know, about 10 years of serving in a multi, multicultural ministry, uh, just real, felt that burden to be back in a Chinese church and um, knew that growing up in a Chinese church, knowing that growing up in a Chinese church was so critical for me and for my faith. I knew that's where I wanted to, to go. And that's where I, I felt God calling me back to. And so for now almost seven years, being able to serve at Chinese Christian Fellowship Church up here in Wilmette uh, in the suburbs of Chicago has been just an extreme uh, blessing and joy and uh, just love being part of a Chinese church. And as we say, just all the joys and challenges that come with it. And thanks so much for answering that, Jalen. Uh, you know, something that I um, was able to pick up in both of your guys' story was just the importance of community and family uh, in your calling. Normally, uh, when people think of pastoral calling, specifically, it's this like enlightenment, enlightenment kind of like, whoa, like individualistic context, uh, but not so much in, in both of your cases. So I wanted to explore that a little bit. Uh, Jalen had brought this up in his sharing, but how did your families respond uh, with particular emphasis to your parents when you uh, shared with them uh, God's prompting? And how did that conversation or how did their response contribute to your overall understanding of what God was calling you into? Uh, so why don't we kick that off with John once again? Yeah, you know, because I had to give the abbreviated version of that story, I, I left out quite a few details, uh, including not just my family's in influence, but um, the many mentors and pastors and, and you know, other believers that walked alongside me as that calling unfolded in my life. But in particular, I'm really thankful um, just for how my, my family responded, my mom especially. And so just a, a little bit of history, like my dad actually had been the English pastor at CCUC um, for several years and was in full-time ministry. 
and he passed away when I was a kid. Um, so I think even growing up as a teenager, and that was one of the things that I really wrestled with God with was this feeling of, you know, like a little bit of not pressure from my family, but just maybe self-placed pressure um, to walk in his footsteps or kind of do the family business, sort of like Jalen was saying a little bit. But the good thing was that that never actually came from from my mom. Um, she always told me and all of my siblings that we needed to be faithful to whatever God called us to. And so if that was full-time ministry, that's great. But if it wasn't, that's good too, because he's going to use us in those fields or in those ways ourselves. And so, you know, she, I think, passively was very influential in not pushing me one way or the other, but much more directly, I think the way that she really shaped that part of my journey was actually in the season between flunking out of college and um, starting at Moody. I, you know, I was pretty hopeless in that season. I had always been a good student, you know, like that Asian student stereotype and it crumbled beneath me. Like the ground just gave out during my time, my first stint in college. And I was filled with shame because I felt like I wasn't living up to people's expectations for me. Like I was, you know, I remember uh, just like sitting for three hours, I think, trying to think through what was I going to tell my mom when I knew that I got kicked out of school. And I still remember the phone call that I made home where I to, to tell her, expecting her to tell me, these are all the things you should have done. And this is what you did wrong. And when I told her, her response rather than that was to say, you know, John, you just have to, uh, in, in this time when your world is kind of crumbling, the only thing you have left is to just hold on to Jesus. And I think that kind of set the floor or like the foundation for me to say, okay, this is not the end of my story, that God has been at work in the midst of this brokenness in my life, but he's also going to be at work in rebuilding that. And I can cling on to him until I see what that actually looks like. And, you know, I'm really thankful that she said that. It wasn't a, hey, now you should consider ministry. It was in the midst of this calamity, right? Like personal calamity that you need to hold on to Jesus. And that was such a powerful thing for her to say. I wish like, you know, well, I won't go too much into this, but I, over the years have observed with the students that I've worked with, sometimes parents who put a lot of different expectations or, or, communicate different things to their children. That is something that I wish every parent communicated to their, uh, every, every follower of Jesus communicated to their children that, that at, above everything that you just hold on to Jesus in the midst of, of all the circumstances of life. Yeah. I mean, I think what's so amazing about that is, you know, your, your mother is a pastor's wife and I've known of many pastor's wives who said to their kids, uh, <laughs> don't do it. You know, I've, I've, I've lived through it. I've lived through how, uh, how much pressure and how much stress it actually is and how much it can break apart the family and, and just don't do it. And you have other pastor's wives that look at their kids and say, no, you guys are all becoming pastors, right? The, the family biz kind of mentality. Um, and, and what's impressive about how your mother responded is just that call to faithfulness, you know, hold on to Jesus. Just what a, what a powerful phrase to, to hold on to indeed. Jalen, what about you uh, with regards to how family and community rolled into your understanding of calling. Yeah. You know, as I said, my mom had always been praying that my brother and I would go into ministry. And so she was really excited when I told her uh, and she was really affirming and, you know, uh, definitely encouraging that way, you know, with my dad, because he had that dream of us going into his dental practice with him. Uh, 
I was nervous going into the conversation with him. I was, you know, I was unsure of how he would respond. And, uh, you know, I just remember just being really afraid of what might happen or what he might say. And so, uh, you know, when, when I did tell him that I felt like God was calling me into ministry, uh, you know, I, I know that a lot of, for a lot of, uh, you know, Chinese Americans having this sort of conversation with their parents, especially if you're feeling called to ministry, uh, it's like, it's a non-starter, right? Like you just can't even have that conversation. But, you know, with my dad, again, I, I, I was really blessed that he was gracious with the whole thing. And I think that for him, um, you know, also having some maturity in the faith too was helpful. Uh, but he was encouraging and he certainly did warn me, you know, if this is not what God wants you to do, then it's going to be really difficult. But, you know, I just felt like that was really helpful to have him kind of in my corner and, and cheering me on ultimately. But what I think I, I, I learned from that is, uh, yeah, like you were saying, the importance of having community and family support and even part of the, the, the confirming of the call. You know, I, I don't know if that's necessarily going to be true for everybody, but f- for me, I certainly uh, am so grateful that God gave that to me, you know, because, you know, being called into ministry for a lot of guys, uh, it's not necessarily super clear, right? Like you were saying, it's not always going to be like, you're going to get like a, a sign in the sky, or you're not going to get like, uh, you know, some miraculous event that happens and you know, for sure that you're called to ministry. For me, it was definitely a step of faith. I think for a lot of people, it's a step of faith and to have family, uh, those who are closest to you. And then to even bring in pastors and counselors and friends who know you and who are able to say, yes, we believe that this is what God is calling you to do, or yes, you should take this step of faith is so important. That's part of what the body of Christ ought to be doing, right? Is to come around one another, to support one another, to sharpen one another in that way. And so I'm so grateful that I had, you know, a church family and a biological family that was supportive, that, that pushed me forward, that encouraged me in that way. And I would say for our listeners, you know, if you're part of a church and you sense or you see that somebody is wrestling with a, a call to ministry, come alongside that brother or sister, pray with them, you know, encourage them, point them to, hey, these are the gifts that you do have, or maybe these are the things that you would struggle with. You know, uh, that's part of what the body of Christ can and should be doing. And so I'm grateful that that's what I had in, in my call to ministry. You know, and I would add that, that because like Jalen, there was a lot of godly people in, you know, in both of our lives, encouraging us in this journey. I would add that that was not just at the beginning of the journey, but I think that that has been throughout that both of us have had godly people, mentors, peers, um, you know, friends come alongside us to encourage us to continue to run faithfully and to pursue the calling that God has given us. And I don't think that we could have done this for the seasons that we have apart from that, because it would have been so easy when the moment things got tough uh, or frustrating or hard to, to say like, you know what, I'm just going to go do something else. Um, and yet God has faithfully brought people into my life and, and moments and stories where he has reaffirmed that calling, you know, not just day one, but throughout this journey. And I'm really thankful for that.
You brought out a really great point, John, and one that I was just going to ask actually is that, you know, usually when we think of calling, it's this like kind of one time event, you know, for both of you guys, it sounds like that there was a pivotal shift in high school, that there was a crisis, uh, something that was incredibly testing, that was an opportunity for growing your faith. Um, and I mean, these are important things to hold on to in that they make up that story of our calling and yet reaffirming that calling is also just as essential. You know, what keeps fuel in the tank, so to speak, uh, when the uh, limelight is gone, when the honeymoon is over and you're starting to feel the stressors of ministry, when you're starting to feel that criticism and starting to, to feel, uh, you know, that burnout, you know, what is it that keeps you going? And so uh, you already answered my question, John. Um, so let me ask Jalen that question. How does community and family continue to have a role in affirming your calling today as a pastor, you know, 10, 15 years down the line? For, for me, one of my biggest cheerleaders and supporters is my wife, and I'm so grateful for her. Uh, she certainly, you know, she, she's not afraid to be very truthful and upfront with me. And so if there are things that I'm not doing well, she, she'll be very quick to point that out. But at the same time, she's definitely my biggest cheerleader and supporter in ministry. Um, and so there are inevitably going to be seasons and times when you just feel defeated as a pastor, right? You feel like you failed or you feel like you're failing. And to have my wife who encourages me and pushes me forward is so helpful and beneficial. Uh, and so, you know, for, for me, having my wife there uh, to support me is, is a huge thing. And I will also say for my family, uh, my mom is one of my biggest supporters as well. And I really appreciate that. She listens to every one of my sermons. And so she's one of my biggest critics, but also one of my <laughs> biggest supporters. And so that's really helpful for me too, because I know that she's not going to hold back either, right? Like a lot of times when we preach a sermon and, you know, people will come up to us afterwards maybe and just say, Hey, pastor, that was a great sermon. Really appreciated it. And you can kind of tell when they're like, you know, because you know, that was not a great sermon, right? But then they're just like, you know, that was great. And you're like, yeah, thanks. Thanks for saying that. But, you know, they're just trying to be nice. Uh, Were but you even listening? <laughs> right. Yeah. They probably could sense it from the pulpit, too. That's <laughs> right. that kind of like that defeated look on your face. Exactly. Yeah. But, you know, but my mom, you know, she'll be like, here's what you could have said differently. Or I didn't understand this. Or that was not, that was not your best moment or whatever. So I appreciate that. But she's still also a huge encourager and supporter. and so having having family to be able to speak truth into your life and to be able to lovingly uh critique you uh not just in sermons but even just in ministry uh because they're they're doing so in a loving way uh because they are trying to uh help you and benefit you that's so important and i will say for my church family at uh, ccfc i am blessed with such a wonderful congregation I feel so encouraged and blessed by this congregation. Um, you know, Jenny and I feel so loved and it is really a delight to be able to serve at this church. I think we get so much encouragement through, um, you know, gifts and emails and phone calls. And so many times people will go out of their way to show their support, encourage us. That's something that I would encourage all of our listeners uh, whether you're a pastor or not, encourage your pastors. 
I think that's something that's really hard for Chinese churches to do is to encourage your leaders. Uh, we don't like encouraging people in general. And then especially for whatever reason, our pastors, we just don't encourage them. Uh, please do encourage your pastors because you know what? We, we really need it, right? Uh, we, we, we need to know that, you know, in, in the midst of just the, the, the high demands and the, the, the late nights and the, the difficult personalities uh, that there is spiritual fruit. Um, and sometimes, you know, we know that our, our reward is in heaven, uh, but, but also in this life, I think it, it is really beneficial to have encouragement come our way. And so I would encourage our listeners to just tell your pastors and your ministry leaders how important they are to you. Uh, what specifically they've done to help you grow in your walk, because I know that that has benefited me so much as, as a pastor. So yeah, John, I know, I'm sure you have some things that you'd want to share too. Yeah. You know, I, I think just as a practical um, encouragement for our listeners who are in full-time ministry or, or particularly the ones in full-time ministry, uh, I know that some of our guests in the past have said this before, but I just would echo that we are not meant to do this alone. And pastoral ministry can be a very lonely place sometimes that you carry um, a lot of different burdens, you care for a lot of different people. And oftentimes, um, that's a very lonely place. And I would not have survived, um, you know, in ministry, uh, apart from the encouragement of other people who are walking in the same same journey with me and, and you know both of you guys in in this call know for a fact that that like you guys have been instrumental in in my own uh calling and in my own journey of, of trusting god to move and i i can't even count the number of times that i've had long conversations with the both of you about what is god doing in my life um because it's hard to figure that out by myself sometimes I even remember the, you know, the day that I turned my resignation letter into my church. I don't think I've shared this with a lot of people, but I, I still remember that that day I was like just an emotional wreck because I, I didn't want to leave. I loved the youth group and it was so hard to say goodbye or even imagine saying goodbye. And I spent that evening in the backyard of another pastor friend of ours. Um, and it just so happened that the Lord brought two other really close friends from other parts of the country all happened to intersect in Wheaton that day, that night. And so we were able to sit in that backyard for like hours uh, and just letting me process, you know, this at that moment and not even realizing how life-changing of a, of a moment that was, but was such a huge thing for me. And it was such a, um, God really used that to, to keep me um, trusting in what he was doing rather than give in to whatever despair I might have been feeling in that moment um, or sadness or whatever. And so I'm really, really thankful for that. That community has been so instrumental in in shaping the call for the long term, not just in a moment. Yeah, let's shift gears for, for a little bit. Uh, I mean, you both talked about how family and community have played such significant positive roles in your life. And yet, uh, I'm sure there are listeners um, of your guys's podcast that uh, might not have had that and yet are going through that discerning process uh, i remember um, a chinese parent coming up to me saying i told my child they could be whatever they want when they grow up just don't go into ministry uh, and yet uh, they were okay with other kids going into ministry all right it's, it's one that's perceived by the asian mentality uh, to not i mean 
to not have a lot of, of wealth or prosperity. You'll get a lot of honor in, in some Asian cultures, not so much in others, um, but your treasures are in heaven and we want something now. Um, and so the response from parents can be uh, you know, quite negative. What would you say to someone who's trying to discern God's calling admit that kind of lack of parental support? Yeah, I think that's super challenging, right? Uh, you know, as Chinese Americans, uh, as Chinese people, there is ingrained within us that that need and and that desire to honor our parents, please our parents. And at the same time, be faithful to the call of the Lord. And, you know, I, I don't know if there's an easy answer that covers everything that sort of, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily say this, there's just a blanket answer that you give to anyone or everyone who goes through this situation. But ultimately, uh, we are called to be faithful to the Lord. And one of the things that I think we all wrestle with, regardless of whether we're called to ministry or or not is, is what Jesus says when we're called to be his disciples is that, you know, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. That's some strong language, right? And, and for, and for Chinese Americans and people who are going into ministry, like, what do we do with that? Uh, that's, that's not an easy statement to, agree with and to obey. Uh, and yet that's what our Lord Jesus says to us. And so I think there's ways that we can understand and learn how to honor our parents, but ultimately be faithful to the Lord. And I think there's ways that we can do that. I think, um, you know, I think we did have a, we had a guest on before uh, Kenson who shared a little bit about his, his own struggle in that um, having parents who were not excited about him being called to ministry, um, you know, looking for opportunities where you are showing that you're honoring your parents, but at the same time, helping them understand that your your ultimate, our ultimate call or our ultimate allegiance is to the Lord. And that might hurt our relationship with our parents. Um, but that that is part of our call to being disciples of the Lord. And um I think just looking for ways to honor your parents, but ultimately be faithful to the Lord. Thanks for sharing, Jalen. What about you, John? I uh, I won't I won't just repeat what Jalen said. I, I definitely agree with with everything that he just un, unpacked, and was also going to reference uh, Kenson, one of our earlier guests. I think the only thing that I would add um, is that you know, in in all ways, this this journey with Jesus, whether it's uh, that moment of salvation or the process of sanctification or, or even, you know, exploring calling is always comes back to this question of like trust, right? Like faith in God doing what he has said he will do. And one of the things that he says, you know, is that he's with us and that, and when he calls us into things, he's going to equip and prepare and, and, you know, open doors for us. And so I do feel like that there's something to be said about, when, you know, I'm not necessarily speaking from experience here, but I would like to think that in a situation where somebody's wrestling with a calling that God is putting on their life for full-time ministry or, or whatever it may be, 
and they're getting resistance from their parents or their families, that's also an opportunity to trust that God will do what he has said he will do, right? That it may not happen overnight or be an easy process because the promise is not easy. The promise is I'm with you and that he's going to be with us in that journey. And at some point, you know, Lord willing, there might be a change in perspective or a change in um, or a release on on their life to, to go and pursue this. Um, and I think the better question of not how do I what do I do or how do I respond is what are like what does trusting even in the midst of that uncertainty look like for somebody who's exploring it? Um, yeah. And, you know, I don't, I guess I don't have a, a practical answer beyond that. Um, but to me, it, it just kind of boils down to that. What does it look like to trust even in this situation with my folks or, or whatever? Yeah. I mean, that's such a pivotal theme. Um, God's calling for you guys first into his family and then secondly, into, into full-time ministry has, has shaped you into the kind of pastor that he has designed you to be, uh, to serve the exact congregation that he would have you serve, uh, because that whole trust journey has shaped your heart and shaped your soul. Yeah, I just want to thank you both for, for sharing your stories with us today. Um, and as, as we heard about how, how God has, has used you, is there any encouraging word you'd like to leave our listeners uh, with, particularly the ones who are trying to discern God's calling? Maybe they tuned into this podcast and thought, woohoo, you know, five steps to having a slam dunk, you know, answer for, for hearing God. Oh, that's, uh, that's a good question. Definitely no five step process or uh, plan from me. Yeah, my, I think, so my encouragement would be to be faithful to the Lord. And as John said, it's not always going to be easy. And most times it's not going to be easy because it is a step of faith. Uh, it's multiple steps of faith. And as we've said earlier, uh, God has given you, God has given each of us a community, a church family, brothers and sisters, whom he has given to us for our benefit and to lean not just on them, but to lean ultimately on him. And so being able to discern how God is calling you uh, through all that he's given you, including the brothers and sisters that you have. And so learning to be faithful to him, but learning to ask the right questions to other ministry leaders, other brothers and sisters who know you well, and being encouraged to step out in faith, even when it's not going to be easy. I think I've you know, already shared uh, some of the things that have been really uh, impactful in my own journey, whether it was um, just surrounding myself with, with people that were willing to run with me in this, in this calling and in this journey. Um, but I think in particular, surrounding myself, not just with peers, but with people who have been farther along in the journey for a long time, that was you know, that was not the easiest thing for me to, to do. Um, you know, it's easy to think when you're young, like you have all the answers, you know exactly how you are supposed to do it because you've seen maybe for some years how you shouldn't do it. Um, and, and yet it, 
I've realized just how much I've learned from the people that God has brought into my life um, that have faithfully walked. And a lot of those people do not get very much recognition for, for that, uh, that faithful journey that they've walked, you know, like nobody sees it, sees the, the prayer life or sees the, um, just the sensitivity to the Holy Spirit's moving, um, in the ministry, you know, in ministry and in, in sermon prep and things like that. But those, I feel like were the people that I learned the most from, and it was more from them than it was from, you know, reading. I mean, I, I learned a lot from reading books and listening to well-known authors, but it was, it really was looking at the example of faithful people who have run ahead of me that helped me in my own journey. So if you can find those, whether it's in your church or in, um, you know, the church community around you, because local churches don't exist in a vacuum. There's other churches nearby. You may have to drive a little to get to them, depending on what kind of town you're in. Um, but they're there. And um, to seek that out, be intentional about it, to cultivate those relationships. Uh, and then and then realize, you know, that you also have an opportunity to do that for someone else, even, you know, just a, a little bit of time in ministry, and you're going to be walking ahead of someone. I actually remember Jalen saying this, I don't think he made, I know he didn't make this up, or I'm pretty sure he didn't make this up. But remember Jalen saying this, at a, at a retreat he was preaching at, where he talked about how we we all should have uh, Paul, Timothy, and Barnabases in our life, right? People that are walking ahead of us, that call us into something deeper, people that walk alongside us, that kind of run the race with us, and then people who are behind us that we're calling into the places that we've been. And and I think that's, that's just such a beautiful picture of, of the church and ministry and, and how pastoral leadership gets passed on from one generation to the next, so... Yeah, I think he did say that because I think I was at the retreat too. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think uh, for our listeners, um, I know John said the best thing to do is to look at community and look at churches. Uh, and and uh, But if you have to pick up a book, a really helpful book that you can dive into uh, for more of this uh, would be Dallas Willard's book, uh, Hearing God. Uh, just a, a very uh, spiritually attuned book on what it means to, to hear the calling of God and the Holy Spirit and how to discern that. And so, uh, yeah, I just want to thank you guys both for your time and for answering my questions and, and sharing this very special time with us. Thank you both guys. Yeah. Thanks, man. Thanks for coming on with us, being our guest host. This was fun. We'll, we'll have to figure out more ways to get you back on here. And then now we know, you know, if one of us needs to take a vacation, we, we have a substitute to fill in. That's the end of our episode. Thanks for joining us today on the Bamboo Pastors podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the pod on whatever platform you listen to us on. Rate and review us and check in every week as we explore the joys and challenges of ministry in the Chinese church. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Bamboo Pastors. See you next time.